0: Have you ever just wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing the thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world just a little bit more like jesus than we found it i'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering on my friends in the pursuit of making god known through their unique calling so buckle up because i'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories strategic advice and hard-won wisdom. I'm your host, Rebecca Dotson-George, and welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. Welcome to episode 13 of the Do The Thing Movement podcast. The music in the background is the song How Could I Be Silent by Katie Hurst. And if you have not listened to my conversation with her a few weeks back, please go listen to um, that episode about overcoming performance anxiety and just all the wisdom that Miss Katie shares. We just love her around here. And today on the show, we have the founder of Well Watered Women, Gretchen Saffles on the show. We talk all about her newest resource, how to study the Bible for the everyday woman. Guys, this is such an important conversation and I just know you're gonna love it. We talk all about being rooted in God's word, what that looks like in our everyday lives, how to pursue that how to study God's Word and the different types of writing that exist in Scripture, what misconceptions exist about quiet time, all the things. We just had so much fun. So please enjoy Miss Gretchen and welcome her to the show. Okay, Gretchen, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Would you just start by
1: telling us a little bit
0: about yourself and your story?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Gretchen Saffles. I have been married to my husband, Greg, for almost seven years, and we've got two little boys named Nolan and Haddon. So our hands are pretty full, but we laugh a lot with them and try to do a lot of adventures with them too. After Greg and I got married in 2012, we moved shortly after that from the church we were working at to another church in Tennessee for my husband to work at, and that was a huge season of transition for us. We were married for about two months at the time. I had a new name, a new job, a new position. Everything just looked totally brand new, and I lost myself a little bit in it all going, okay, God, who am I? What have you called me to do? What does this look like? But on top of all of that, my mom was actually really sick at the time. When we came back from our honeymoon, we found out that she had been in ICU and had a very rare autoimmune disease. She still has the autoimmune disease, but it had a huge flare up during this time. And I couldn't get a job because I was traveling back and forth to see my mom and um, to make sure that everything was going okay to help my dad. And during that time of unpacking, and I wasn't just unpacking our new home, but I was sort of unpacking all this stuff, all this baggage, um, emotionally and spiritually. And I just began praying about which direction I should take and going all the way back to early high school. Um, God had called me to a life of ministry in some capacity, whether that was overseas missions, working in a church or just working in a regular job um, with the purpose of sharing Christ in creative ways. And so um, my husband and I decided for us to take a little bit of a risk since we were already super poor at the time. And I started an online Etsy shop. Um, The name of it was called Life Lived Beautifully at the time. And in the beginning, I created handmade jewelry and accessories and things like that to encourage women to live their lives fully for the glory of God. But almost one year after that, the Lord led me in a different direction and I began creating a journal called the Give Me Jesus Journal with the whole purpose and dream of equipping women to be able to study God's word, giving them some sort of framework that would make them excited to open up their Bibles and to write down what they're learning and to have that sort of like Ebenezer that they can keep with them to go, okay, okay. This is what God is doing, and I can look back on his faithfulness and trust him in the future. So when we started that, um, God made it very clear that the direction of the ministry was to be fully just equipping women to know the word, live the word, and love the word. And we changed the, the name of the ministry, so it was Life Loved Beautifully. We changed it to Well-Watered Women, and that has been our mission ever since, is just to equip women to be rooted deeply in God's word through sharing gospel-centered content online and creating Bible study tools to help women study the Word as well.
0: I love that. Okay. I have so much to say about all this because (laughs) so I'm going to start with this. So I married my husband last year in May. I don't know how much of of my story we've kind of talked through, but my husband's a pastor. We live in Mississippi now. We're both, I moved from Knoxville, Tennessee when we got married. Yeah.
1: that's where we lived.
0: Yeah, I, okay. I I vaguely knew that, um, so
1: and I don't yeah. remember
0: who told me that. Maybe it was Taylor at some point.
1: Uh-huh. Um, I was there
0: for five years. Yeah, yeah. So I lived in Knoxville for about ten, and okay. we moved. I or I moved down. He had already been here for several years, but um. So I I get that season. So I mean, I'm I'm in the thick of it, really. Still yes. nine months later, and um, you know. We got married and kind of all in the same breath, I moved, I became a pastor's wife. I entered into a new church family and um, started a new job and started the podcast sort of as um, almost a means just to connect with like-minded people kind of outside of my circle of being a pastor's wife. Right. We live in a really small town and, um, that's not the reason I started the podcast, but it's been sort of an extra gift that the Lord's given that I was not anticipating kind of in all of this. And, um, so even hearing you talk through your story is an encouragement to me kind of in the midst of that type of season. So I love that in the middle of that, that's when God put on your heart, like, actually, I want you to speak into, um, women's lives and teach them how to study my word and, and all of that. I just, I love what comes in the midst of seasons like this, because it's hard. You know, you talk about it now, you talk about it now Mm -hmm. and it, it sounds very like pretty and shiny and and beautiful because you're on the other side of it. Right. But
1: I would be willing to guess it wasn't. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. This came from like my own struggle and my own longing Um, to know the word and to go, okay, if this really is the word of God, like we need to be people that know it, you know, and I, um, I'm really passionate about the persecuted church and just Christians overseas and, um, have been for most of my life. And I just see, you know, there's, there's people who have one page of the Bible Mm. and they, I mean, their lives have been radically shifted by it and I've got like 10 Bibles in my house. And so me and my husband are we're just really passionate about women um not well my husband's just passionate about the church in general, like <laughs> knowing god's word and um but we it's not just knowing it it's actually believing it and then living it, allowing it to impact the way that we think and um do everything like that so it it always seems like in the midst of our struggles, God is you know I had this thought in the car earlier about um obedience, and I was thinking if it was always easy how would God get the glory? Cause we would get the glory, right? We would be like, Oh, well that's easy. I'm going to do that. Um, I can do that in my own strength, but that's the whole purpose. It's not easy. It's hard to obey, especially when you're in that waiting season, that hard season, that transition season. But that's when God gets the glory because later on you see, Oh my goodness, like God was doing that. And I could have never known I could have never known. And so, um, I don't know, that just sort of came to my mind earlier as I was thinking just through some personal things in my own life that, um, it's not easy, but God does get the glory and that's where our joy really comes from. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that.
0: And so I was so excited. I feel like there are so many directions we could take this conversation, but when we originally talked about having you on for the first time, which I'm sure won't be the last you had just released your new resource called How to Study the Bible for the Everyday Woman. And mm-hmm. I, I just love your heart behind this project. So could you talk listeners through, um, I guess, you know, the project itself, how God put it on your heart and then kind of what to expect from the book?
1: Yeah. So like I said, studying the Bible has been a passion of mine for many years now, um, mainly because if we're going to know the Lord, we have to know his word. but studying the word is something that if you've ever tried to do it it's it's a task it's challenging um it can be confusing if we're not studying rightly it can be overwhelming because it's a really big book I'm trying to think of all the things that have gone through my mind that are probably going through your mind too of like how do I do this where do I start um what does this look like so I wanted to create a guide um quite a while ago that was just very basic and I wanted it to be something that women could keep and refer to later on. So when they're opening, okay, I need a refresher on just the oval, the overall narrative of scripture, or um, I need, I need a reminder or just some key things about studying in context. Um, If I'm going to start studying, you know, epistles or historical narrative, I need a refresher. I need something that I can go back to. And so, my hope for this is that it's a guide that you can refer back to often when you're studying in different parts of the Bible, because different books of the Bible are different genres. They're written in different time to different people. And we don't go all the way in depth into those things because those could that could be like a thousand page book. I mean, there's, there's so many books written on that, but I'm hoping this is a really good starting point, especially for somebody that may not know some just Bible basics um, to really kind of send you out and go, okay. Here you go. Like let's let's keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into the word. So um, there's a lot of things on how to study the Bible, and I've read even just some of the seminary books. But some of them, I just kept thinking, how is the like the average everyday woman going to find time or just be able to read this? You know, like I think of a mama who's caring for her kids and she doesn't have a ton of time to you know, to read some of these books, I wanted to create a resource that would be that helping hand that, that fork for her to use. So that was my purpose in it, um, is, is to sort of do some of the legwork to help. That's why we want to study the Bible for the everyday woman. And that's the key thing is anybody, if you are a Christian, if you have given your life to the Lord, you can and should be studying the Bible. You know, you've got the Holy Spirit in you to teach you. He is the teacher um, and he will guide you in the truth. And so I wanted to encourage, like you don't have to be someone special to study God's word. Um, As a child of God, you already are that and you've got what you need.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that even in the title you've included, it's for the everyday woman, it's for all of us. And for you. Yep. Um, you know, I think we've all probably had that moment of overwhelm where we've picked up one of those seminary books, like you've mentioned, and, yes. and we want to dig in, but I love how what you've done here is, um, not at all to water down the truth of God's word, but just to package it in a way that for the mama or for the single single mom or the working woman that, that wants yes. to have that starting place that um, you've sort of taken the overwhelm out and created that yes. resource. So that is awesome.
1: Even the new believer. Or the woman who's been a believer, but has just never really studied the Bible. I want this to be like, I I want this to be like, she tastes it a little bit and is like, oh, that is so good. I want more, you know? So that like first bite of really good wedding cake, but then you're like, oh, you know, I, this is so good. Like we've got that in the word every day.
0: Yes. I love that. So I'd love to talk through kind of a handful of the elements of the book. I don't want to give it all away because I want people to go check it out and buy it, but I'd love to talk through a few of these things. So the first one is just about our quiet time. So that's a term um, that a lot of us use for, you know, the time that we spend in God's word, right. Yes. And in prayer. And, um, but for maybe a new believer or someone who's trying to figure this whole quiet time thing out, what do you think are some misconceptions about quiet time?
1: I think there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of it comes from just the name quiet time. Um, And there's a lot of different angles to kind of go at this. But first of all, I think it's just important to note there's not a Bible verse that says you should have a quiet time at 6 a.m. every morning for this long. Like that's not in the Bible. You're not going to see even the phrase a quiet time, but you're going to see Jesus and his followers and his people living this this out. And basically what it is, is, it's spending alone time with God, which depending on what season of your life, that will always look different. If you're single, then you like, I want to encourage you if you're single and you're listening to this and you feel like you've got extra time on your hands, that's a gift. Like spend that time in the presence of God with his people, studying the word. I promise you your season will change, but really, um, ask him to help you cherish that time that you have. But maybe you have children now, you know, you're married and you've got children and you're like, Oh my goodness, they wake up. I can't wake up early enough. Somehow. I feel like my kids, even the earlier I wake up, somehow they wake up earlier that day too. (laughs) Like they just know. And so, um, So it can look different in your different seasons, but this is relying on God's word. And I kind of changed a phrase for my own mindset. um, Once I had kids and life just got busy and it just looked different every day. I changed it to a phrase called word before world. Um, So ultimately it's putting God's word first. And this is not just only first in the day, but this is first in my mindset, in my thinking, um, in my activities and and my schedule and all of those things. And so it's not just reading God's word, shutting it and walking away from it, but it's being changed by it. And when we read God's word and we meditate on it, it goes from our head down to our hearts And then it just overflows into our life. And I like to think about the disciples and, you know, they didn't just like spend a little bit of time with Jesus in the morning. They're like, okay, peace out. See you later, Jesus. No, they, what did they do? They went with him everywhere, right? They listened to him. They, they did all the everyday life with him. Now as Christians, we have, like we are the temple of the Holy spirit. So we have him with us. It says that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. So we can be like the disciples. We can be learning and listening to Jesus and loving him all day long. So I think that a lot of times with a quiet time, we can view it as like our Christian checklist. You know, I need to check it off and it, it needs to be quiet and it needs to look like this and it should have coffee and a candle and, um, you know, and it should feel a certain way. All of these things that we're like, this is what a quiet time needs to be. So we feel like quiet time failures a lot of times. When God's like, no, it looks like longing for me, loving my word. Um, Sometimes I can spend 30 minutes in the morning in the word. Sometimes I don't get to read it until later that day, but I can pull it up on an app on my phone and listen to it. I can write a scripture verse on my hand. Um, I can fellowship with other people. I can listen to praise and worship music. I can talk to God all day long. So quiet time is more than just Bible reading. It's Bible living. It's taking what you've, you've, um, learned in the word and then living it out by his grace and through his strength. And so that's what I want to really encourage people that it's about getting the word into us, um, sitting in the word. And this is a phrase by Donald um, Whitney, I believe, but he said by the fires of meditation. And I love that because you think of like sitting by the fire and getting warm. So it's like we're doing all of that so that we can love the word and know the word and It won't always be quiet. Sometimes it's going to be really loud, but it will always be worth it.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it reminds me of a conversation I had over the weekend. I um, helped out in our college and career Sunday school class and talked to them about singleness. And one of the questions they asked me was, um, you know, what can I do in this season that will help prepare me for marriage? And mm-hmm. so one of the things we talked about, I said, this is going to sound so simple, but create habits now that yes. will sustain, yep. you know, in later seasons in life. And so I think, um, you know, it's, it is, uh, and I don't want to say to a, a single mama who's a new believer that it is not possible to, to form those habits because that's also not true. But I feel like the, the better we form, can form those habits, um, in our walk with Christ, the earlier, the better. And um, I, I just love that the tools that you guys are creating, just allow, um, allow that to happen and make that so much easier. So yeah.
1: I love yeah. And, I, and I think it's, you know, going back to like, we have, we have the word of God, we have exactly what we need. And, um, and even if in the, in your season, whoever's listening to this, like if right now you're just maybe you're in just a season of suffering, like you're sick or somebody in your family is sick or, you know, there's so many kinds of circumstances. Even if it looks like just one verse that every single day, you just, you say it over and over and over again, God's word is living and active and he will speak through that. And so one of the big things, even in the journal, um, that we have a Give Me Jesus journal. I don't think we mentioned that. I was going to say that so I could explain this. We have, and you can do this in your own journal, but in the beginning we have date started and date ended. Um, because we want you to track when you started and when you end it, because I have seen, and this is through like 20 years of journaling. I've been journaling. Every single journal represents some kind of season, some kind of spiritual season in my life. Some of them are the hardest dry spiritual desert seasons. Some of them are the sweetest, like just really in the word, but there are all these different seasons. And though my seasons are changing and your seasons are changing, God is always the same. And so, um, you know, if you're having a hard time, like even with studying the Bible, don't become so concerned with your failure to do it how you think you should, or as much as you want to focus on God's faithfulness, despite that and his grace. Um, and so we can become consumed with ourselves in it, but the whole purpose is to be consumed with Christ. And he's the one who changes everything. Yes, absolutely. I
0: love that. And I think you're so right, you know, quiet time or being in the word before the world gets to us, like all the, all those phrases, whatever we want to call it, it looks different in different seasons, right? I used to have the capacity and, um, my favorite time to do my quiet time was in the evenings right before I went to bed. And now, um, my favorite time is early in the morning, right after I get a workout in. And so I think giving yourself the grace to know that that can change, that can change month to month that can change over the course of a year. Um, yeah. But just that we are being consistent about being in his word. That's, that's what's important. And so I love that. Yes, yeah, and, and so I know, you know, at the root of all of this, it, it makes a phrase come to mind and, and that's biblical literacy, right? And that's another kind of one of those phrases like quiet time, um, and sort of our Christian ease that we use a lot, but I'd, I'd love for you to talk about what do you think it means to be a biblically literate woman?
1: It's a woman who knows the word. I mean, I grew up in the church and I can honestly say that even in college, I could not tell you some of the basics of the word. Yeah. And, um, and it wasn't because I wasn't always being taught it. It's probably cause I was also not listening when I was being taught it when I was younger, but it's a woman who knows the word, especially in our culture. Oh my goodness. We are being told so many things about God's word that are not true about God's character about, I mean, so many different things. And we have to be women who know it, who read it, who study it. And with the help of the Holy spirit, we understand it. Um, this is, this is the passion and the heartbeat behind studying the Bible is we need to know the word. We need to be women who love the word. And so biblical literacy, I mean, if you think about literacy, it's reading it, right? So reading your Bible. And that's where, I mean, if you want to be as basic as basic can be um, with a quiet time, just read your Bible, just open it up. I have heard of people that um, received a Bible that weren't Christians. Maybe they were in another religion. They, They opened up the New Testament and they read the whole New Testament in one sitting. They couldn't get enough of it. And you know what? God saved them and radically changed their life just through that. And so it's just reading your Bible. A lot of times I think we overcomplicate following Jesus, knowing Jesus, when he's like, just read, read it and spend time with me and, and go do it. Like it's very, it's actually pretty simple. Um, and then when we start going deeper, there's so many helps, there's so many aids, there's, there's, we've got pastors at our churches and, um, so many incredible, um, resources to help us maybe understand some of the bigger picture, um, pieces of scripture. And, um, cause it was written during a different time period, um, just completely, all of that stuff was so different. But just reading it, like there God's Word is living and active, and He will do a work, and I believe it's isaiah fifty five eight through nine. y'all can check this, or maybe it's ten through eleven, but um I love this verse that says that God's Word will never return formless and void, and that has always been such an encouragement to my heart because there's been days where I've read scripture and gone, I do not know what is going on or okay, that didn't apply to my circumstances at all. You know, like we can read, because when you're reading all of the Bible, like there's a good chance that you're not going to read like numbers or judges and be like, man, that just, I just know what I'm supposed to do with my life today. But it's so valuable because you're learning the big picture, you're learning God's faithfulness, the big story of what he has always been doing. So all of it has value. So a biblical, biblically literate woman is a woman who studies, not just the scriptures that make her feel good, but all of the word to know the whole story and who God is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's great. And kind of leads us into the next question. So Mm -hmm. I think a good starting point for, um, kind of seeing the forest instead of the trees is to sort of talk about the structure of the Bible. And so I'd love, um, we could spend all day on this, but just, I'd love for you to talk high level about how you've laid out just the structure of the narrative of scripture in the resource that you've created.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And some just additional kind of basic resources that women can look into are Jen Wilkins, Women of the Word, and Nancy Guthrie's Even Better Than Eden. So those are really two great resources, too, to start with if you also want to go, go into this a little bit deeper. So when you think about the Bible, it's the Old Testament and the New Testament, 66 books, but it all tells one story. And so every book of the Bible, every verse, every word of the Bible is inspired by God. It's inerrant. It has a purpose. And when you're reading the Bible, think about it as there's this gospel thread that is woven throughout all of Scripture. The same God that's in Genesis is the same God that's in Revelation. The big story of the Bible is known as the meta narrative and you see it laid out. And I love this version of it. And this is, um, I got this from Nancy Guthrie, but it's creation. We'll go through this, the creation, the fall, um, redemption and consummation. And we'll kind of break that down in a second because the last part is a little bit different than one that I've heard, which is restoration, but she gave an excellent reason why it should be consummation. Um, and so in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis one through two, we see God creating. God has always been. He created the heavens and the earth, and then he created mankind in his own image. When he spoke it all into existence, he said, it is good. But when he created man, he said, it is very good. And he gave man the mandate to subdue the earth, be fruitful and multiply. So he creates Adam out of the dust, and then he creates Eve from Adam's rib as a helper suitable to him. And we see this just beautiful picture of bliss. They're, They're naked and not ashamed. They can have just direct communion with God. They can enjoy all the fruits of the garden. Like it's so beautiful, Genesis 1 and 2. But then you go into Genesis 3 and it's like the story just turns. And that's when you see the fall happen. So the serpent comes on the scene. The serpent is Satan. He's a fallen angel who rebelled against God. He slithers up to Eve and he questions her. He sows seeds of doubt in her mind, making her doubt that God is really holding out on her, that God um, isn't really giving her all the good that she needs. So he he convinces her that the fruit um, that God has forbidden from them, from the tree of the knowledge tree of the knowledge of good and evil, was actually going to make her like God. That God was saying, "Oh no, I don't want you to be like that." Um, and so she takes the fruit, she believes the serpent, she eats it, she gives it to her husband, he eats. And right then both of their eyes are opened and they realize that they are naked and they feel shame for the first time because of sin. So they grab fig leaves and they cover up with fig leaves. And I still just, you know, I don't know exactly what Eden was like, but I'm like, I'm sure there could have been other things to cover up with, but they (laughs) chose fig leaves. And in their rebellion, sin entered the world, and they were cast out of the garden. But before they're cast out of the garden, something really important happens. So this is Genesis three fifteen. God, God is um saying all of the consequences of their rebellion, and then we see this amazing glimpse into the gospel. And this is I may not say this correctly. So if somebody's like a seminary scholar that listens to this, um, but it's the proto evangelion. So this is like the first glimpse of the gospel, Genesis three fifteen, and. God is describing Satan's end, like he is going to, he is not going to last forever. And the Savior, the seed from the woman would come and she would crush him um, and he would crush him. And so we see this is actually pointing us to Jesus and everything from there is waiting for this promised seed, this promised Messiah who's going to come and he's going to crush the serpent's head. So after creation in the fall, we see God working on his plan of redemption. He is working in every moment of human history. And this is the redemption part is like the really, really big part of scripture. So we've done, Genesis 1 through 3, and now we're like, redemption, this really big part. So um, this, we see God working to bring the Savior through the Israelites, his faithfulness to an unfaithful people. We see that he will bring Jesus through the lineage of David, um, fulfill his promise to Abraham. Before that, there's so many big key things that happen in this redemption part. But overall, he is going to bring a king. Jesus Christ, who would rule over his people. He would bring them to repentance and restoration in him. So the Old Testament and the New Testament, they are linked with this redemption and hope that the promised Messiah is going to come. But they also have the just judgment of God and the repercussions of the fall. We see just the sinfulness of mankind and the extravagant grace of God as well. So once we reach the New Testament, it's just like this amazing breath of fresh air. The first time I read through the Bible chronologically, I cried when I got to the new Testament. I was like, I can finally breathe. This is so amazing. (laughs) So we see Jesus is born of the Virgin named Mary. This has been prophesied of in the old Testament and we see it come to fruition, but he comes in a way that is not like the people that he comes through this lowly girl. And, but he does come through the lineage of David. And when you read of the lineage of Christ, it's not a really clean lineage. You see people in there that you're like, excuse me, like, God, I would not have chosen that person to be in the lineage of Christ. But again, we see God's ability to use anybody in his kingdom. God is so much greater than our unfaithfulness. He is faithful to the very end. And so he sends the God of the universe. He sends um, his only son, Jesus to live a sinless life. So Jesus was tempted in every way possible. Um, and yet he was without sin. He conquered all of sin. He uh, mastered all of sin. And then he was crucified in our place. And he was mocked as the King of the Jews when he really was the King of the Jews. And the people didn't realize this until later after they had killed him. They had like, it, it literally makes, I was reading in Luke this morning. So I'm almost, I was just in where, um, Judas is betraying Jesus just in my personal Bible study time. And I mean, it just dumbfounds me just seeing how these people who are us, you know, like we, our sin is what crucified Christ. And yet he was so faithful. Like he, his love is just unbelievable. So Jesus died in our place. Um, He absorbed the wrath of God in our place so we could have freedom and he could buy us back from the rule and the reign of sin. Three days after his death, um, Jesus rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death. And we live in light of the, of the resurrection. We are a people of the resurrection. We don't serve a God who has a gravestone. We serve a God who has an empty grave and he's currently ruling on the throne. So um, knowing that the king is ruling on the throne and he's coming again, this is why we preach the good news of the gospel. We are sent out to be his ambassadors and his disciples um preaching the good news of repentance and restoration to him, living in obedience of the word. And the last section is the consummation section. So this is revelation. These are things that are to come. And I think it's so cool that God, you know, he gives us, this is all that's been, he gives us so much understanding and this is what is to come. So we are waiting the consummation of the story. Um, The word consummation is, and I love this because Nancy Guthrie, when she described it, I recently went to one of her biblical theology workshops, but um, she was saying that we we hear about restoration, but that makes you think that we're going back to the garden. When we're not, we see a new Jerusalem, a new city that's coming, and it is a a completion of all of God's work. So it's going to be incomplete. Fullness. It's gonna be in in the wording of her book, even better than Eden. And I love that so much. This is the hope that we have. One day the serpent in the very beginning is going to be thrown into a lake of fire. He will have no more victory in anybody's life. He will have no more rule and reign. Um, but then we also know that people that don't know Christ will be forever separated from him. And so that impacts the way that we live today is people who want to share the gospel, who went to and faithfully be praying for the lost and the unreached. And and living our lives in light of the eternity that's going to come because we've got really great news, but there's so many people that need to hear the good news as well. So we're looking forward to the day that Jesus is coming again and we have hope in him. And so knowing that, that framework that, um, I wish I could like condense it more and I'm sure other people could do that a little bit better. And I still am not even touching on so many things, but knowing that framework, when you open up the Bible to different Um, part. So you can ask yourself, what part of the story am I in? Like, what part am I in? And knowing the bigger context is going to really help you study and understand.
0: Love that. Amen. So, so I had so many thoughts as you were talking Mm -hmm. that made me think of, to ask you this, have you ever been to Israel? I have. Okay. It's the best. It's the best. I love it there. Yes. Have you been? Yeah. So I went last November. So it's still very fresh for me. We went, I'd never been before. And um you would probably agree we came back and my husband and I both just said, I just feel like I need to reread my entire Bible. You know, and I think it really puts our our tour guide said it puts the text in context. That was one of my favorite things yeah. that she said. And there were so many things that um you know, either made so much sense or, you know, having the children's Bible being raised in the church, you you begin to imagine what things maybe should be like, or you would imagine that they are like. And then Bethlehem, I think is a great example of that. I was so excited to visit Bethlehem. And um, for those of you who have never been or visited the Holy Land, it is in Palestinian territory. And th- that was one of the I think a couple places we went to Jericho and Bethlehem, and both of those places are kind of across the Israel border. Yep. And um, you would imagine, or I had imagined, you know, almost this Santorini, like white buildings on a hill with shepherd's fields that were just yep. magnificent looking. And it's a very dirty, unclean ordinary yeah. place. And, you know, but then how cool to think that our savior was born there,
1: you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, um,
0: you know, anyway, yeah. so much
1: prophecy too, you know, yeah. they would say nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Right. And the greatest person ever came from there. That's, That's right. So cool. actually yeah. um, we stayed there. That's where we, when we went, we did missions at a local school in Bethlehem and it was the most eye-opening trip. And this was about 10 years ago, so I really hope to go back. But I actually recently, I took a journal with me everywhere when we actually went out and did some sightseeing stuff. And sometimes the students would come with us and I would take notes because they would say things that I was like, what? I did not know that that's why they said that. You know, that's why they said the rocks will cry out or Jesus gave this example. And um, it was so cool and so, so, so eye-opening. It was,
0: yeah. We were hoping to go back as well. I I just, you could spend so much time there and still not see it all or soak it all in. So our first trip was just sort of being in awe of of it all. And I think when we go back, we'll probably, um, just get to see and kind of let more of that soak in. So, um, well, I, well, I love that. So I know a couple other things that you cover in the book. Um, really help us to kind of put the Bible within its proper context. So mm-hmm. for those of us who maybe have never studied about the different types of writing or genres within the Bible, could you talk a little bit about that and maybe maybe some tips on how to study the different genres?
1: Yeah, so when you're thinking about um, context and genre really go together, and um, they go hand in hand. And I think one of the most important things to know is the Bible as we have it, like when you pick up your Bible, I've got mine next to me, it is not in a chronological order. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people will just like read it straight and go, okay, this is not making sense. But it's really lumped into the different genres. So you've got the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law. You've got historical narrative. You have the um, the wisdom literature literature major prophets, minor prophets, even something there with the major and minor prophets, I used to think, oh, the minor prophets are not that important. That's not true. It only has to do with their book length. Like the major prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, like those are long books, but then you're going to go to Amos and Obadiah. Well, these guys had an important word of the Lord to say, They just didn't say as much as the other ones. (laughs) And so knowing the different kinds of literature will also help you be able to study. And a lot of this, I think just goes back to, um, you know, when I'm like in English in high school, which was a very long time ago, we studied different kinds of literature. So in the Bible, there's different kinds of literature. And, um, that's really important to know knowing the context of what's going on, knowing the overall, if you haven't ever read the Bible, um, just from start to finish, I loved, and this may this was just life changing to me to read through the Bible chronologically. And you can purchase a chronological Bible that will literally have the um, like all of the text exactly as it would have, you know, as it was happening. And and that was cool. Even once I got to the um, the Gospels to see, okay, here's here's the Matthew version, here's the Mark version, the Luke version. You know, here's their different perspectives, the different things they're teaching us about Christ and it was completely eye opening. And so if you're going to study a book like Proverbs or Psalms versus one of the prophets or one of the letters in the in the New Testament, you know, one of the epistles, epistles just a fancy word for letter. So if you're going to read one of those letters we're going to read them all differently because all of those, I mean, the the things that I just mentioned were written in totally different times. Some are Old Testament, some are New Testament. Another word for Testament is also covenant. So the old covenant and Jesus came with the new covenant. And, um, and so understanding the context of these, understanding that the historical narrative, this is telling a story. This is telling us the events that took place, but it's also important to note that We know when you see genealogies in these books, um, a lot of times we'll see it and think that this is the direct genealogy. But a lot of times these genealogies are only listing the patriarchs. You know, so they're they're picking these specific people on purpose that they want you to note, and they want to see, they want the the author wants the audience to see this is what God is doing in this whole story, and so all of those have great significance. But when you read proverbs, we don't read proverbs as these absolute facts. You know, it says that um, train a child up in the way that they should go and, and, and they will not depart from it. Well, this is this is wisdom literature. This doesn't mean that if you train a child up that they won't walk away from the Lord. There's many mamas who may listen to this who have, who have testified to that, that they raised their child in the church and maybe right now their child is not walking with the Lord. And so understanding as we're reading, okay, what kind of literature is this? Will help us better understand what was the original author saying? What is God saying? And we need to know what God was saying to the original listener. Um, And I think that that's something that I'm still learning is to go, okay, what was God saying to them? And what does that mean for me today? And so understanding what does the text say? What did it mean to these people? Because it can't mean anything different than it originally meant. Mm -hmm. And then going, okay, God, what does that mean to us in our lives today? And that is, I think that's one of the best questions that you can ask is just the very simple, what is it? What did it mean to them? What does that mean for us today? And so knowing the basics, you know, so who wrote it, the kind of genre Why was it written? What was happening during that time? And as you begin to do that, you're going to see how everything is really woven together. You know, you're in one book of the Bible and you're going, oh, wait a second, this is over here too. And oh, Jesus said this, but this was said in the Old Testament here. And oh, here's why he said that. And you're going to see how the Bible is all linked together. It's not just these lot of separate sayings, separate books, it is all telling one story. And guys, I mean, this is the best story you will ever hear. Like nothing can compare to it. And I'd also want to say this encouragement um, when you're thinking about studying in context. I actually recently purchased the book, Anne of Green Gables. And I was like, I want to read through just this classic, just for something different. But I was looking at it and I thought if I was, it's a pretty big book. I thought if I was to open up to the middle of this book and read one sentence I would never know what the context of this, what, what the purpose of this book is. Like I could make up something for sure, but it wouldn't make sense because I wasn't reading it as the author intended it to be read. And we do that so often with the Bible. I mean, I am so guilty of this. This is what I did growing up. I'd open up and be like, okay, Lord, this verse means I'm going to meet my future husband by doing this. Or, you know, like I would come up with all these things when I wasn't really understanding the big picture, what God was saying in that whole book. So I also want to encourage you as you're studying to study, um, study full books of the Bible. So if you're going to start going through the Gospels, study those Gospels and, um, and study it in fullness so you can really understand what's going on in it. Yes. I
0: love that. That's so awesome. So I know that this year um, you've got a lot of really exciting new resources coming at Well Watered Women. So I'd love for one, you to share anything you'd like to share there of things that might be up and coming and then how listeners can get in touch with you and get access to these resources.
1: Yeah. Um, So our big thing is just equipping women in the word. And we try to have a lot of journals that will really help you I love creating Bible studies. I love it. But we also really love creating journals to help you like literally take your spiritual fork and eat in the word. And so we've got several, we have a walk in grace journal that will actually walk you through a specific book of the Bible. I'm coming up. We'll have a James one coming out this year and a few other books of the Bible. And this will literally tell you. So if you're going, okay, I want to study the Bible, but I don't know what to do. Every day it tells you what to read what to write and what questions to ask. And it gives you a basic framework for having Bible study time, quiet time, word before world, whatever you're going to call it. And this is one of our favorite resources for you to start off with. Okay. To learn um, how to study that specific book of the Bible in any book of the Bible. Um, And then we also have just our give me Jesus journal. This is something that we keep um, because we want women to, again, this is, this is like a blank slate. You've got the layout for your daily quiet time, but we want you to be able to go, okay, I am going to study the book of Exodus and I'm going to start going through it. And you can use that journal to start, going through that specific book and recording what God is teaching, um, what you are learning about God, how you're going to live in response to that in obedience. I'm recording your prayers. It's so cool. It's my favorite thing that we do. And so those are some of the resources that we've got coming out. And um, if you want to follow along, you can follow us on social media. um, At well watered women, and we've got a few different handles or you could, my personal profile is just my name, Gretchen Staffles, and um, I do share more about my kids there. So if you want just the Bible study stuff, you can stick with Well-Watered Women, but if you want all the other fun stuff, you can follow me too. Um, but we love to steward our encouragement emails to be um, full of information and things that are going to really help you in your walk with the Lord, or just encourage you to live faithfully where you are. So you can go to wellwateredwomen.com slash email and receive our emails and then you can also go to our website, wellwateredwomen.com resources and find a ton of free resources to help you be rooted deeply in your faith. And that includes um, one of my favorite resources is just I have I created this whole list of five free great online resources that I use to study the Bible. So if you're like, oh, I don't have any, you know, I don't have extra money to buy something great. We've got a lot of free resources for you. So there's still no excuse. And um, so you can go there. You can find free templates, free reading guides, um, scripture memory, a word before world challenge, all these things for free to help you in your faith. That is awesome. I love that. And
0: so I think I'm okay to say this. Can I talk about dear girl? Yeah, of course. That's okay. That's
1: coming out too, I didn't even think about that, but you are a contributor, so I, let's share. I,
0: and <laughs> so I'm so excited. So they yes. guys, if you haven't checked out their website yet, they have these really sweet books. There's a dear mama yes. and a dear college girl, college girl yes. and they've done another book that's coming out. I believe in May. It's
1: like, May is and your girl, right?
0: Yes, the dear girl. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. So dear girl. it's. So
1: Yeah, yeah. so people want a resource for high school girls, like middle and high school girls, and there aren't a lot of great resources just speaking wisdom into those girls, and we created the Dear Mama and the Dear College Girl to just be, um, they're not Bible studies, they're just like, this is a book of encouragement, 31 days of encouragement to point you to the Lord in your season of life, and so we've been working on the Dear Girl one, and you are a contributor, so I'm so excited about that, we've got amazing Jesus loving women, um, from all over that are contributing to this. And I'm so excited. What, what topics did you write on for it?
0: So I wrote on boldness. So ah, just having love it just kind of in your season and right where you're at. And so I think that's, I was so happy when Taylor gave me that topic because yeah. it's one of my favorite things to talk about, and especially within the context of teen girls, I think that's just so yeah. relevant and um, yeah so yeah, I am so thrilled to to have it in my hands and just see who else you have that's contributing to it I'm, just based on yeah. all of your other works, I just I know this will be great and will really impact teen girls so if you have a teen girl in your life, um, be sure to check it out in May when it comes out so. Well, one you of, for giving, I didn't even think about that. So thank you. Yes. Well, of course I, I just was so excited about it. I wrote it down on my little, my little it's bullet good point good. list of yes. things I didn't want to forget for us to mention. Yes. So,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: well, cool. Well, one of my favorite questions that I always end on, I ask every guest this question, or at least we're doing that on our first season is what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: Um, so this, 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 This wouldn't be like personal advice from somebody I realized as I was going through this, but this is a quote I heard and I believe it's from Francis Chan, but I felt like it was advice given to me, um, especially as a millennial and just like in our generation that's so showy. So like we have to be online and connected all the time. So he said, refuse to let your outward affections exceed your private devotion. And I think that's so easy in the church and in ministry is we know how to act. We know what to say. But when our faith is fizzling in the dark, you know, behind the scenes, like all of that stuff just fades away and it doesn't matter. And so to know that my private devotion to the Lord should be of utmost importance before I go out and, and, you know, do all these things in Jesus name. Like he wants me to first be with him before I go and do for him. And that, that quote has really just shaped my life and how I've made decisions about time and work and all those things. Yeah, that's great. And I think, he, I was so excited when you said
0: Francis Chan, just in recent news, I think once again, he's just really being faithful to what God has called he and his family to, I think, I don't know if they have already moved, but I think soon they're moving to Hong Kong. Um, okay. And he's leaving the mega church that he's pastoring. And I know there's I been think a lot. Did. I, think, yeah, yeah. I think they already did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if that had already happened or not, but I've I've heard a lot lately kind of in the news about that so um anyway just we've been keeping that family in our prayers but i would encourage our listeners to as well um yes so love his wisdom there yes
1: so if we'll you gre- haven't read any of his books you can go read some of his books too that's
0: right yes he has some great books as well crazy love is one of my favorites so well gretchen this has been so much fun thank you so much for being my guest on the show today and i'm sure it won't be our last conversation Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you need anything from me at all, I'm super easy to find Rebecca Dotson George on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And hey, let's help make it possible for even more listeners to be encouraged by hearing stories of my people doing the thing. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, And two, screenshot the show and share it on your Instagram stories. Oh, and make sure you tag me there so we can connect as well. All right. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And thanks so much for listening to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast.